you guys, this week we are promoting another awesome podcast called The Jury Room. You can find a link to their website in our show notes. So as soon as you're done with our show, go find them wherever you get your podcasts and give them a listen. Hello, and welcome to The Jury Room. I'm your host, Kevin, and I will be covering anything true crime, from serial killers to cold cases and everything in between. The Jury Room Podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow anywhere you can. Stay safe and thanks for listening. Hi. Hi. How was your week? Tell me all the things. Very, very long. We were hoping today that our driveway would thaw enough that we could get off of it. So I walked outside to check. Driveway was a big sheet of ice. I probably should have put on something besides my slippers. (laughs) My feet went shooting out from underneath me. (laughs) I landed right on my butt and immediately looked around to see if anybody saw me. And then thought... Because there's so many people (laughs) No, but there... No, but listen, there were deer down in the field and they got mad at me. (laughs) They did that huffing thing that, you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Excuse you. So in in conclusion, the driveway was not thawed. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you taking one for the team and finding out. (laughs) Do we do everything we're supposed to do? We did hi, but not our name. No one knows who we are yet. (laughs) We're a mystery. I wonder if they'll ever figure it out. Oh, no. Hey, guys, I'm Kelly. And I'm Ashley. I don't like that. We're going to do that again. That was terrible. (laughs) Who, who am I? Where am I? We have no confidence in our names. I think. Could be. Uh, okay. Anyways. Hey guys, I'm Callie. And I'm Ashley. And welcome to A Day With Murder. Our case today is from February 1st, 1988. 26-year-old Terry Lynn Hokanson worked as a shoes. Wow, that word is hard to say. Shoe shine. I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna start the whole thing over because it's awfully early to be making mistakes <laughs> like that. Shoe shine. 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 All right, I got it. Nailed it. Mic drop. <laughs> shoe shine. They shine shoes. Shoe shine. <laughs> the more you say it, the funnier. Shoe shine. <laughs> you know, I looked up what that was to see if it was like a euphemism for something else. <laughs> no, it's a legitimate. <laughs> I know. I, I looked it up <laughs> and I made sure. But I, I, ty- I typed it in and then like leaned back and pressed enter <laughs> just in case something scandalous came on my screen. Okay. You good? <laughs> 26-year-old Terry Lynn Hokanson worked as a shoe shine girl at a topless bar called Centerfolds in Arlington, Texas. On February 1st, 1988, she arrived at work. On this night, two men, Frank McFarland and Michael Wilson, sent her a drink. Oh, a waitress. So, I, I had the hardest, I, it just hit me just now. I had the hardest time understanding how she worked in Arlington and then died in Texas. There is, there's an Arlington in Texas. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, real, okay, all right then. Wow, I'm so pretty. A waitress oh. at the bar. <laughs> okay, good. 
<laughs> it's a good thing. I'm All not right. done complimenting myself. <laughs> well, turn your mic off while you do that, please. But I want you to agree with my compliments. <laughs> I work yes, to you do. are. Just assume that I agree and just shh. Okay. A waitress at the bar, Joanne Alexander, introduced the pair to Terry. The four made plans to go to another bar called Manhattan's after Terry and Joanne got off of work later. Joanne ended up changing her mind and not going. Several witnesses at the second bar recall a woman fitting Terry's description coming into the bar alone sometime between 8 and 9 p.m. They also recall her leaving shortly after with two men, and Terry's car was found in the parking lot of the second bar the next morning. Around 10 or 11 p.m., three teenage boys, Warren, Myers, and Rich, were walking by First United Methodist Church when Terry came stumbling out. She told the boys she had been raped and stabbed. Warren took off running to get help while Myers and Rich stayed with her. While Warren was gone, Officer Rainey stumbled upon the scene. He noticed Terry had a cut on her hand and blood on her face and jacket. She told him that two white men that she had met at her workplace had raped and stabbed her. She was very aware and was able to speak coherently, giving the officer her name and various other information. The three boys all told him they saw a white car driving away shortly before discovering Terry. She was taken to a hospital where she died around 3 o'clock that morning. During her autopsy, it showed that she had been stabbed 79 times by at least two different knives or knife-like weapons. There was evidence of sexual intercourse, but it could not be determined if it was a result of an assault or not. A search of the area where Terry was initially found revealed her purse, shoes, watch, and one earring. There was a 500-foot trail of blood from where she had been found to her belongings. I have questions. Okay. What's a knife-like weapon? It's either a knife or it's not a knife. I think probably that there is a definition specifically for a knife. It's between this length and this length and this width and this width. And then if they're a knife-like weapon, they might, I mean, it could be anything really pointed, like a shiv or a machete or a... Oh, scissors. Scissors. Yeah, there you go. Look at you go. I know weapons. Yay. Ooh, creepy. Is that it? Because you said questions. Yeah, I got another one. Okay. I was thinking about this a while ago. So they can look and see if you have been raped or not? Well, as far as I know, they can tell if there's been bruising or any kind of tearing. Right. but And that's not necessarily rape, but that does give more indication that it was forced on the victim. But just because that's not there doesn't mean it wasn't rape. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, that's another sign that this was probably rape. But even with that there, it doesn't say for sure that it was rape or not. And then even without that there, it doesn't say that it wasn't rape. But wouldn't you get, like, bruising and stuff just from being rough? Exactly. That's why they can't know for sure. Even if the bruising and or any kind of whatever is down there. It could just be rough sex. Oh, okay. It has to do with, you know, if the victim says, I was raped and they have bruising, they were raped. She doesn't have, they said they couldn't see if it was an assault. She said she was raped. It was an assault. <laughs> I'm going to believe what Terry said. I mean, I mean, yeah, 100%. But it's, and how is there signs of sex? Well, they found semen on her. Just, <laughs> Which I don't think my, we, we've said that yet. But yeah, there was semen found. In my brain, I, I guess that's why I was asking. In my brain, I just imagine my uterus having like this little, like the clicker. How many times? The counter. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do when you run out of clicks? Can you run out of clicks? No, that's that's not. It's not clickers. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. Frank McFarlane and Michael Wilson, the men from the bar, were implicated in this crime. McFarlane came from a large family in the Dallas areas. Areas? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> How many Dallas areas are there? <laughs> That's Dallas's business. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Dallas areas. 
Okay. He had a juvenile offense record of sexual assault. Rachel Revel, Wilson's girlfriend, later testified that the night of the murder, Wilson and McFarlane left her house together. When they returned, she noticed what appeared to be blood on Wilson's clothing and that McFarlane had a gash on his hand. She said that after showering... We're in bad shape tonight. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Okay. When they returned, she noticed what appeared to be blood on Wilson's clothing and that McFarlane had a gash on his hand. She said that after showering... (laughs) You did it again. (laughs) What is with the SHs tonight? I don't know. Shoe shine. Shoe shine showering. (laughs) Shoe shine showering. She said, <laughs> oh my no, God. No. <laughs> <laughs> She's broken. She said that after showering. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> just say the word showering one time and I'll just drop it in there. <laughs> I've been trying to. I'll do it. I'll do a fancy edit work here. It's worse than February. <laughs> and we're in the month of February now. So every case is going to have the word February in it. Showering. Show- showering 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 <laughs> showering <laughs> showering why, why can't i say this word showering there you go nailed it that's good okay she said that after <laughs> <laughs> that's where you put that word in <laughs> thanks for the head nod that i'll be able to see while i'm editing <laughs> appreciate you oh my god all right cheese and crackers she said that after showering, the two men left to go burn their clothing. Wilson ended up confessing to Rachel and said that he and McFarlane, quote, had to get rid of a girl because she knew too much about their drug business. But Wilson claimed that McFarlane was the one who actually killed her. Wilson then called a friend of his and McFarlane's, Mark Noblet, And I don't know why, but it makes me so happy. Okay. And t- I think it's the double T's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of double T's. Wilson then called a friend of his and McFarland's, Mark Noblet, and told him about the crime. Wilson wanted Noblet to go to the police for him and tell them what happened. They agreed to meet the next day to discuss it, but Wilson never showed up for their appointment. Dun, 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 dun. What could it mean that Wilson didn't show up? All will be revealed next time. <laughs> That's enough for tonight, okay, bye. It was five minutes of case and yells nonsense for four hours. <laughs> unsubscribe one star review <laughs> okay I that's fair to that to the bloopers of the other episode and the okay bye bye got <laughs> me like i'd forgotten about it and i like almost died laughing <laughs> oh my god that's okay. really just my impression of jillian pensavali oh my god it's so good okay Wilson was found shot to death on March 11th, 1988. Four days later, Rachel called the police and told them about what Wilson had confessed to her. This caused warrants to be issued to obtain blood, saliva, and hair samples from McFarland. They also had a warrant to impound and search his vehicle, which is blue. Inside the vehicle, they found fibers that microscopically matched the fiber from the rabbit fur coat that Terry was wearing that night. There was also a scarf that was found that had a pubic hair on it that was microscopically similar to Terry's. The semen that was found in and on her body did not eliminate McFarland as a donor, but if it was his, he was not the only donor of the semen found. They also found an earring, which they described as not distinguishable from the earring found at the scene of the murder, which is incredibly vague. Right? Right? What, what does that mean? Not what, what does that even mean? What? Okay. okay. 
With this evidence, McFarlane was indicted on capital murder, and it was capital murder because it was during the course of an aggravated sexual assault. And his trial began on October 26, 1989, and he was found guilty and sentenced to die by lethal injection on November 13, 1989. Okay, so a death sentence is automatically appealed. McFarland's argument of his sentence is based on several things. The FBI's microscopic analysis unit analyzed the hair samples that Terry was clutching when she was found, and they were not consistent with known hairs of McFarland and Wilson. Also, testimony from the semen sample found matched McFarland's DNA, but 6% of the Caucasian population would also have the same characteristics. McFarlane also filed an appeal on grounds of alleged ineffective assistance of counsel, all of which were denied. So I understand some of these, but not all of these. Okay. But this is what it's saying. Prosecution suppression of exculpatory evidence and subordination of perjured testimony. You did so good. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent job. Thank you. Now, what is, I don't know what those words are. <laughs> so you know what but a just scop- so y'all, hold on just so y'all know i said that without any mistakes they're yep you're welcome okay <laughs> you know what a sculptory evidence is evidence that makes you look innocent good evidence yeah right good evidence evidence that's good okay. for the defendant okay. okay so the prosecution suppressed evidence that would have been beneficial uh, to mcfarland yeah okay. okay and then they they sought out perjured testimony so okay lies also hearsay testimony and then failure to object to prosecution's use of applicants post-arrest silence so that's that same thing we talked about last week basically yeah okay objection to state's innuendo that mcfarland was involved with wilson's murder possibility of state's witness baker was offered deals by the state on his theft case which was pending during mcfarland's trial and returned for his testimony against mcfarland so he was given like a deal Mm -hmm. to testify against him right yeah that's what they're saying here yes Okay. okay and he said the prosecution didn't make statements of rich and myers two of the teenagers who found terry available to the defense officer oringdorf who was another officer who took statements from Terry, did not testify at the trial, even though he was available. And another witness, Parsons, who also worked at the club with Terry, identified one of the two men seen with Terry as Timothy Todd Trickle. (laughs) That is a name and a half right there. That is the name of a character in a children's book if I ever saw one. (laughs) (laughs) Timothy testified he didn't know the victim, but he was at the club that night. Okay. All right, and we're going to go into some of these a little bit more in this next part because a lot of these overlap because later on he filed an appeal of new evidence of innocence and these are his claims. And again, all of these were denied and I have a lot of problems. Yes. I have a lot of issues. Yes. (laughs) In case you didn't know, I have a lot of issues. Okay, so first of all, the DNA evidence of the semen that could have belonged to 6% of all Caucasian males in the United States. His lawyers all the way up until the end tried to have his DNA retested. There was a 10-year span between his conviction in 88 and his execution in 98. Forensic testing had made dramatic improvements and it was never retested. So 6% doesn't really sound like that much until you realize, I looked it up, the population of white folks in America at, in 1990 was about 2 million. So you figure about half of those were men. That leaves 60,000 men that it could have come from. Yeah. So yes, that is a lot. Yes. Right there, I would have said, okay, well, he needs, no, this is no, uh-uh. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying, like between 88 and 98, there was a lot that 
happen as in forensic testing and science 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 happens <laughs> science happened it's still <laughs> happening guys get the vaccine but also even even without that six percent it could have belonged to six percent of all the white white dude population at the time i wouldn't have as a jury member that's still i wouldn't have been able to yeah convict beyond a reasonable doubt with that right there yeah all right so also it was revealed that Mark Noblet, the who was the prosecution star witness, offered perjured testimony about Wilson pointing a gun at him. And Noblet's old mother, in a sworn affidavit, rebutted his testimony, but she was never called to testify. So, so far we have the DNA that could have belonged to him, but might not have. And then we have the one of his eyewitnesses who said, oh, well, Wilson told me that he did it. We now have someone else saying, mm, that's a lie. So already two things. Mm-hmm. It gets worse because the state suppressed evidence of Noblet's history as a police snitch and Noblet's criminal... Crystal? What's happening? I'm getting too upset. I'm getting mad. (laughs) The Christmas criminals. The Christmas... Don't. Don't be the Grinch. The state also suppressed evidence of Noblet's criminal history and his history as a police snitch. Okay, so then also, I don't know if you guys remember, when the three teenagers found her, so Myers and Rich are the two who stayed with her and Warren's the one who went to get the police officer. Myers and Rich were not, they didn't testify at the trial. And their sworn statements were not given to the defense. And they weren't uncovered until seven years later under the Freedom of Information Act. So what she said, was said at trial was that she told the police officers, or she told the boys that she knew who killed her. That's not what she said. She said she thought she recognized them, not she thought she knew them. And a police officer actually testified at trial that McFarland and Terry had known each other previously, so I don't know why she wouldn't name them. And then there's also other reports that say that she told the two boys that she thought she knew them, but after she got in the car, she realized that she didn't. So Terry's own testimony kind of exonerates McFarland. Right. Because they have people testifying that they already knew each other. Right. And she was very coherent when they found her. She would have said, here's his names, here's his phone number, here's his, what kind of car he had. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so like I said earlier, of the three boys, Myers, Rich, and Warren, two of them spoke to her, Myers and Rich. Warren was the one that went for, went for help. Uh, Myers and Rich did not testify at trial, but Warren did. All three boys said they saw a white car. Six state witnesses, five police officers, and one police dispatcher testified the boys said they saw a blue car perjuring themselves. McFarland's car was blue. But they have, in the statements from the boys, they said white car. All three of them said white car. So they straight up lied. The the state witnesses, not the boys, we assume. I mean, what would the boys get out of it? Well, unless they did it, oh. which wouldn't even make sense. Oh. Then they, well, then they ran for help, so that wouldn't even make sense. But I mean, that would be the only way that something like that okay. would... Yeah. Another state witness had a pending arrest warrant, which was later dismissed. When the warrant was recalled, the reason given was key witness in a murder prosecution in Texas. So we have another state witness who was having charges dismissed. For testifying. For testifying. All right, this one makes me really mad because it would have been really easy for the defense lawyers to simply say objection. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that hard. Anyone could say it. Even Ashley could say it. So. Objection. Use it. Nailed it. <laughs> Wilson was murdered after Terry, but before McFarland's arrest. Throughout the trial, prejudicial statements were made by the prosecution that McFarland was involved with Wilson's murder. There was no evidence of that. And in fact... The murderer of Wilson was convicted years later and had no connection at all to McFarland. So even after that happened, couldn't you be like, um, um, excuse me, please. But, um, see this, he did not do that. So can we do this again? Because y'all said that he did. We're supposed to. You're supposed to be able to. Not in Texas. (laughs) (sighs) The state also presented evidence about McFarland's character and acts of misconduct that should have been deemed inadmissible in the guilt innocence phase of the trial. 
So then the police officer who spoke with Terry at the scene, Officer Rainey, didn't initially say that Terry said she was attacked by two white men. That only came out after he was placed under hypnosis to improve his recollection. Oh, yeah. They cannot use that. Like, they, that's not. Apparently they can. <laughs> so it's there's a lot of a lot of problems with this case. I have a lot of issues with this case. They're, they're lawyering wrong. I don't think they cared. But why would, why would you try so hard to put someone away that's innocent? Wouldn't you want to find who actually did this or that they don't do it again? Well, we've discussed it before, this before. Why? Why? Just why? Prosecutors, why? 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 Okay, that's enough. Oh my gosh, it's getting on my nerves. Okay, so a lot of it is, I think they just, they get points for numbers in a way. This case is solved. Moved on to the next one. They get points for conviction. And then also, I wonder, because she worked at a topless bar. I wonder if they just thought, well, she probably brought, especially at this time, I wonder if they just thought, well, she brought it on herself. If she hadn't been doing that, if she hadn't been going out with men, this wouldn't have happened to her. I didn't even think about that. I did. That's what, because I always think, why? Why did they do this? Governor George W. Bush signed the warrant for death for McFarland, and he was executed at 6.27 p.m. on April 29, 1998. Um, His final words were, I owe no apologies for a crime I did not commit. Those who lied and fabricated evidence against me will have the answer for what they have done. I know in my heart what I did, and I'll call upon the spirit of my ancestors and all of my people, and I swear to them, and now I'm coming home. Lock Sloy is what I'm going to go with, um, which is the battle cry for the McFarland clan in Scotland, which I thought was cool. Because I don't think this guy did this. I really don't. I definitely don't think he got a fair trial in the least. I think, And I think putting him to death with all of these question marks is disgraceful and horrendous and and terrifying that that happened that that can happen that that can happen yeah and i looked up so i spent a lot of time looking up the appeals process on this case so the state part is automatically appealed like you said but then when that didn't fail his next option was to go federal he didn't he was indigent so he didn't have any money and they didn't after the first appeal the state is not required to provide you with any more defense and to apply for a federal habeas corpus petition, I think. If you do it wrong, it can be dismissed. And then that's it. You're done. So he didn't want to do that without a lawyer. And they would not assign sure. him a lawyer. And he applied for the Texas... He applied to the Texas Resource Center. And they they agreed to help him find counsel. Uh-huh. And so when they got in front of the court, they the Texas uh, Resource Center spent so much time... Because they I think there was like 18 lawyers... For all the people on death row in the early 90s in Texas. Yeah. So they didn't really know who was going to be able to take his case. And so by the time they got in front of the Supreme Court, I want to say it was Scalia, the douchebag from the last episode, who was like, well, unless it's a big mistake, we don't really need to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Spent most of the time yelling at the defense lawyer, being like, well, you should have done this sooner. What does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Uh, He said something about the Texas, y'all sure have been bringing up a lot of cases and taking your time and coming up late and... Doing everything you can to stop these executions. Dude, can you look at the case? Just take a second and just look at it real quick, though. Yeah. It, it, yeah, this whole case, the whole thing really, really made me mad. And it, it's, it, it breaks my heart for Terry. And it breaks my heart for McFarland because I don't think that he did it. And I hate that this happened to Terry at all. And it, I hate that she still, I don't think, has gotten justice. Right. And the person who did it is just out. Yeah, it really makes me mad. This was fun. I enjoyed this. Let's do this again next week. Ha, 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 ha.
<laughs> oh, wait. One more thing to make me mad. Hold on. We didn't even get to the douchebag prosecutor and his quote. So K- Kenneth Diaz dies? You're going with dies. Okay. Kenneth dies, who, who handled, who's the prosecutor that handled the case, said, It's too bad the system doesn't have an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He should die by 70... Si- he should... Whoa. I'm going to start the whole thing again. I need to calm down. Hold on. <sighs> Sorry. I'm so mad. Kenneth Thighs, who handled the case, the prosecutor who handled the case, said, It's too bad the system doesn't have an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He should die by stab wounds 79 times. That young lady never had a chance. He should be disbarred. Yes. Why? Why is he allowed to say that? As a person who works in the justice system? Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. So there's, there's that, you guys. You're welcome. Yeah. This one infuriates me. <laughs> I saw that quote and I was like, ooh, she's going to be mad. She's going to like this one. <laughs> I was like, let me just put this in here real quick. And he put it right at the end, too. So now I'm just even more mad. Hi, give me a happy ending. I can't. I'm too mad. Okay. So today's the first day of February, which is Black History Month. What? It, what? Today's the... Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yes. Yes. It, it is, but it isn't. Okay. Hi. <laughs> I'm with Rewind. it now. Rewind, wine, wine. So today, <laughs> the day this episode is released is February 1st, which is Thank the first day. Clarifying. You're welcome. This first day of Black History Month, which is a sham and Black History should just be called American History because that's what it is, but it's not. So, sorry, it makes me mad that history is white man history. <laughs> right. Right. And <laughs> it's like, you have to specify Black History. Like what? Women's History, it? Latino History. Like, right? No, it's just it's just history. (laughs) All right, then. Okay. Anyways, but I am going to highlight some special events that happen. Yes. In in black history. Um, Okay. so for our birthdays today in either 1901 or 1902, Langston Hughes was born. (gasps) Okay. I know. Our other two birthdays are white people. But okay. so in 1967, Meg Cabot was born. The author? Yes. Oh, yeah, I like her. I love her. She wrote every book I ever loved when I was a teenager. And she still <laughs> writes good books. Okay, and then in 1971, Michael C. Hall was born, the main dude from Dexter. Yes. Which I've never watched. What? Because, well, because, you know, I don't like to start shows until they're done. And I heard once it was done, I heard the last season was garbage. But they just did, they're doing a revival or something right now. So I'm going to wait and new, see. That's over too. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it good now? Like, did it fix it? I have not seen New oh. Blood. Okay. That's what it's called. Do you hear my tummy growling? Uh-uh. Told you I was hungry. I have not seen that because it came out, like, on Showtime or something, which uh-huh. I don't have. And I watch all of Dexter on Netflix. Okay. So I'm just waiting for it to come out on something that I can stream. Okay. If we have anybody listening that has watched the new Dexter thing and tell me if it fixes the ending so it's, I can watch it. I know people that have watched it. And yes. Okay. They, all right. They were happy. I'll add it to the list. I talked to were happy. Like on Facebook, it's like 50-50. Okay. I'll add it to the list. Okay. Okay. So here's our events for today. So February 1st, 1865, Mr. President Sir Abraham Lincoln approved the 13th Amendment. Hooray! Freeing slaves with the tiny little asterisk unless they're prisoners. Tell me how white people, white slave owners aren't going to exploit that. Okay. Well, why did they put it in there? Don't sigh I at me. <laughs> no, I'm not sighing oh, at okay. you. I'm sighing at... <laughs> at it? At it. Why would at you even put it in there? You know how people are right. going to use it. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I'm mad <laughs> this episode. Okay. <laughs> so then in 1960, four black students, Ezel Blair, Ezel, whoa. There's a Z in it, so it's confusing me. <laughs> I understand. Okay. I know exact. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> like literally, exactly what you mean. Okay. Okay. So in 1964, black students Izell Blair, Blair Jr., David Richmond, Franklin McLean, and Joseph McNell sat down at a lunch counter at Woolworths in Greensboro, North Carolina, and refused to get up when they were denied service. So they were the first ones to start the um, the sit-ins, the lunch sit-ins. Yes. So. Nicely that's amazing done. amazing job it's ridiculous they had to do that oh well yeah good job so in 1965 on february 1st martin luther king jr and hundreds of demonstrators were arrested in selma they were on their way to the dallas county courthouse to register to vote and they were arrested during the peaceful protest and charged with parading without a permit what does that even mean it means they looked at them doing it demonstration the right to protest <laughs> and right. said no it's not it's not a protest you're having a parade you can't do that you don't have a permit and arrested them but parades involve floats no they involve <laughs> so sir it is not a parade or or rainbow flags <laughs> right or the big balloons like the thanksgiving parade no apparently all it needs is a couple of white racists who see black people going to vote and getting upset Ugh. welcome to worst. america <laughs> people are the worst it's just it's not fun any just stop how stop peopling it's just <laughs> you're peopling wrong i know i know i know i just have so much rage inside <laughs> jesus i need another root beer float mm, root beer mm, float a float like yeah. a parade <laughs> yeah parade that's you're parading without a permit that's okay. I'm white. I won't get arrested. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. God. Even the rope, the root beer floats making it angry tonight, y'all. Everything's making me angry. Racism is so dumb. It's just dumb. It's ignorant. Who caught your eye this week? Do you like how I just bipolar right into that? <laughs> Hi. Hi. Talk about um, something happy. I don't know. You got my hands. My hands are sweaty. And did I make you nervous? I'm so yeah. sorry. I just have a. I just have so much rage inside. So let me tell you this cute little story. So I go to have my MRI. Mm-hmm. So I go to have my MRI, mm-hmm. and at like seven thirty in the morning, and I'm like, what? But anyways, so I bring my book with me. Right, I'm still reading War and Peace. And sitting there in the waiting room reading, and the guy comes out, calls my name, and he's like, "Hey, I'm." I forgot what his name was. So whatever. Um, he's like, "Hey, I'm so and so, and I'm gonna, you know, be the one taking care of you." What are you doing with your? Hands? I'm counting likes. Oh, you're at <laughs> four you? so far in this story. <laughs> Go ahead. No, three. <laughs> you're messing up my story. Go ahead. Anyways, so he takes me into the room to change my clothes and stuff and he notices the book that I have uh-huh. and so he starts talking to me about it and everything and um, we talked for like five minutes mm-hmm. and then I finally got dressed and had my thing done or whatever but he was just he was super adorable like he was super friendly and he had read it a couple of times and he was talking about um, some other some other Russian author I can't remember his name but um, Dostoyevsky maybe okay 
but he was cute and he had tattoos and he had a beard and like so he was like super smart and i was just like uh yes please (laughs) (laughs) but yeah but then he put the mask thing over my face and shoved me in an mri machine and i was like no i'm not interested bro (laughs) (laughs) that's my that's who caught my eye this week the cute little guy from uh vcu do you want your tally there were 10 likes in that story (laughs) (laughs) sorry if i charged you 10 cent per like i could have just earned a dollar sorry okay (laughs) that's very helpful thank you (laughs) please don't charge me 10 cents (laughs) okay so this week i started watching brooklyn 99 99 have you ever watched it i have not you should it's good and i really like it's not what i was expecting based on the previews i was expecting the um the captain they always show him really serious expecting him to be a real douchebag and he's not he's hilarious and awesome and i was expecting the main guy crap i can't remember his name Uh, yeah anyways i was expecting the main the main guy to be really they show him as really immature and goofy and i was expecting him to be really bad at his job and me to be constantly irritated with him but he's he's really immature but he's also really good at his job so it's really uh, anyway so the whole show was actually really not what i was expecting it's really good but there's one character on there who speaks deep to my heart and i love her and her name is rosa and she's played by stephanie beatrice and i love her so much why she always is pissed off <laughs> your soulmate i just love her she is my spirit animal <laughs> she's the best and i love her and that's who caught my eye this week she's she's mad she perpetually wears black leather and just she's just a queen well i'm glad you finally found someone thanks (laughs) i'm sure we'll be very happy together (laughs) meanwhile she's like actually i'm okay thanks (laughs) thank you but no thanks do you have snacks no i was looking for something (laughs) but was it a snack though i have well yeah that's what i was looking for i have snacks in the other room i'm very excited oh god i have Sour cream and onion pretzels. No thanks. And I have to get to them before Ryan eats them. I'm out of ice cream. I can't have a root oh, beer no. float. You just made a Riley face. Riley makes a me face. Send me some pictures of her. I miss her. Uh-uh. Oh, I'll send you the video of her sliding down the hill with no toboggan. Okay. Because it was just ice. It was just her sliding down her tummy. I just miss her little face. That's all. She's pretty cute. She is. But she knows it. I mean, same. Do you think she can get away with stuff because she's cute? Same. It'll work for her when she's 33, too. Don't tell her that. Don't teach her that. Don't, I'm going to teach her all the things. Okay, well, that means you can't see my child anymore. <gasps> <laughs> I will go to court. <laughs> the judge will be like, I'm what are you eat. doing here? <laughs> <laughs> go home. <laughs> but but I want to see the cute little tiny human, though. <laughs> and I'll just, meanwhile, I'll just be behind my back. I'll just have an ice cream cone waving it what where are we going what's happening (laughs) case dismissed thank you your honor objection objection (laughs) overruled sustained i was gonna say push one to epi but that's gray's anatomy (laughs) that is that is in fact gray's one gray's anatomy yes yeah i don't know why they have to make court talk so fancy why can't they just be like i agree with that one wrong right right yes no yeah i'm with you on that it's like they purposely make it hard so normal people can't yes understand what's going on it's the rich folk that's what they do Uh uh-huh that's why rich people have a tendency more to get away with crime than poor people i should put it that way i should say rich people are more likely to be found innocent than people who don't have money 
because people who don't have money are generally less educated and generally have lawyers that have too many cases and can't focus on one case at a time. Our entire system is built to help the rich people. Wow. And on that happy note. (laughs) Okay, y'all have a good night. (laughs) Day, morning, whatever, whatever time this is. Sweet dreams. (laughs) Don't Uh, be arrested. (laughs) Because you will be convicted of murder and you will be put to death, even if you didn't do it. (laughs) Especially in Texas. Especially in Texas, especially if you're poor. Yep. Well, all right then. So much for our little uplifting endings that we do. We have to cut all this out. You need to stop with that. I'm just mad. I'm just mad. Negative Nancy. They're getting rid of the mask mandates at Riley School. Oh. I hate Yunkin already. I hate him. Who is that? (laughs) That's our new governor, honey. When did we get a new governor? Two weeks ago. He was voted in office in November. Oh. Yep. He's trying to get a coal lobbyist as the environmental person. That'll be good for Virginia's environment. Oh. A coal lobbyist. Oh, what? I thought you said a cold lobbyist, like chili. Cold? It's really I'm chili. Like, uh, what? I don't know what that. We don't means. like those okay. chili people. Only warm folk. Okay. So. All right then. Virginia's gonna suck. Virginia Even, already sucked. At least the math mandate was good. I feel like Virginia did really well during the whole pandemic thing. Our numbers were never in the top. Super crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Anyways. Okay, I'm going to go eat a snack now. Okay. Did you look at episode 34? Nope. Because you told me Don't I saw it. at the top in bold letters, Rage Dragon yeah. Alert. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, nope, I'm already mad about this case. I'm not moving on to the next one yet. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> nope. I'm going to get mad at one case at a time. That's all I got. Because that that episode, I am wound Livid. up. Good. Yeah, and so I'm going to be like you. That'll be a good change. Yeah. So that was our case from February 1st, 1988. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at A Date With Murder and on Facebook at A Date With Pod. Bye. Love you, miss you, bye. Love you, miss you, bye. <laughs> Can you exit the rage train and pretend that you love me? I do love you. I'm just mad about it. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to go eat my snack now. Okay, enjoy your snack. Okay, amen. Amen. Bye. Bye, bye. Did I say bye-bye twice? I sound like Robert Durst. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. You need to stop hanging out with him. <laughs> I would never. Oh, uh, well, I guess you do stop hanging out with him. He's dead now. So. Bye. Sorry okay, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I killed them all, of course. <sighs> I've got to go. Okay, Goodbye. bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Are you okay? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not okay. It's not okay. <laughs> that tracks perfectly for you. If it's something sexual, it's fine. If it's just a normal day they saying, you're totally lost. Can't handle it. Okay. And cut. Uh, go. <laughs> also known as action. That's it. That's the end of the episode. Y'all just hear tears babble for 45 minutes. Uh, okay. Ready, set, go. I was doing ready, set, go and... Ready and action and the cut. I don't know where cut came from then. What? All right. Words. Words. Okay. (laughs) Words indeed. I think I'm hungry. I think I'm hungry. That's always your excuse. I'm just hungry. Sorry I was mean. I was hungry. Sorry I took a nap. I was hungry.
<laughs> I'm sorry I laughed. I was hungry. <laughs> Stop it. Okay. Oh, I see. <laughs> so I'm pretty confused. <laughs> I like how you just straight called yourself out. <laughs> Did not even notice the self burn. The really like third degree self burn you just gave yourself. <laughs> you need to go back to the hospital. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Take back. <laughs> Whoopsie Daisy. Okay, gotta go. Bye. Rewind. Wine. Wine. Oh man, I'm a good human though. I'm a good person. I would agree with that. I mean, deep down, I didn't disagree with you. Why did you <laughs> just kept going and made it worse? I got defensive, <laughs> but I agreed with you. <laughs> well, stop. <laughs> Alleged ineffective assistance of counsel. Uh, the what? <laughs> it's close. <laughs>